Welcome to the frontier of the metaverse, where we learn from high quality entrepreneurs, artists, and change makers shaping the future of the metaverse. Here we discuss how to level up, how to get started, and how to get ahead of the opportunity. I'm your host, Howard Kingston. This episode's guest is Q Harrison Terry. Q Harrison is author of The Metaverse Handbook and The NFT Handbook, both recently published. And this is a really fun, broad ranging conversation where we cover subjects such as what is the metaverse? What is virtual land? And is it a good asset to invest in? As well as how to get started with all things the metaverse. And with that, let's get to the show. Q Harrison, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. It's exciting. Yeah, of course, of course. So I always love to just love to start how I'd see you as someone, you know, an innovator, someone deep in the metaverse space. But I'd love to love to know there's always a moment where you get bitten by the bug. And how did you first get introduced to the world of Web3 and the metaverse? I've been always fascinated by just blockchain technology in general, and VR. And like, I've always lived at the intersection between, you know, what is a world filled with digital assets and like what does digital scarcity look like and what what could be contrived from that and so back in 2015 you know i built one of the first digital art marketplaces known as 23vivi and that was on the bitcoin blockchain but even prior to that you know me and my friends we worked at an ad agency and we did some of the first campaigns with vr360 video so we were messing around with like the oculus dk ones like the developer kits and we just had a lot of fun just doing that stuff. And we 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 hit a big break. We recorded uh, Chance the Rapper in 360 VR. Had like this, it was this 3D printed rig and it was like maybe 12 GoPros. And we had to stitch all the footage together, but we did this live stream of Chance. And then we did the same thing with the Chainsmokers. And it was just, it was, it, that's when, you know, my life kind of changed as it relates to VR and just going down that rabbit hole. and. You know, my friends would go on to, that started that company and agency, go on to raise a ton of money and like be, you know, pretty well respected in the industry, but it all started back then. So it's like one of those things, like I talk about in the metaverse handbook, you know, chapter three, I talk about what it means to be an interest key, you know, let your interest carry you to the profound destination that everybody eventually goes on to respect and know. And quite frankly, I've been what I, I practiced what I preached, right? I, I feel like in many regards, I'm an interest geek, except for I think a lot of the, the interests that I, I, I express or have interest in are, are in this domain of like future thinking or emerging technologies or uh, just what does our life look like because of these new technologies that do exist? And I, I always ask myself those questions no matter what. Dude, that's super cool. Uh, I think it's what just what you're saying, touching on is, you know, there's always all this stuff about, you know, what is your passion and follow your passion. And I think you're a great example of maybe some more practical advice, which is follow your curiosity. And, uh, you know, if you're a curious type of person, which I know you are, I am, you know, there's a great world ahead of you in the world in the metaverse, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff. Now you mentioned, yes, exactly. So that's how we connected. Actually, your book. Uh, for those listening, Hugh Harrison has just lifted up the metaverse handbook, and you know, genuinely, I don't do this to blow smoke. Uh, I'm a big reader, and I've read a couple of metaverse books. So I always try and read stuff. And most of them, once you've read one, you've read them all. Like, you know, there's, you know, it's all just the same stuff. And you're just like, I, I, I'd read a book and I'd put it down and go, I didn't actually really learn anything there. Uh, yours was different. Okay, so the Metaverse Handbook is full of, like, you know, loads of highlights. I learned loads of stuff from it. Loads of really practical platforms, tips, all this kind of stuff. So so not blowing smoke. I genuinely recommend the book. It's really, really good. Um, I, I so, appreciate that. And, yeah? and, I, and I know this is your podcast, your show, but I just... It would, no, that's it all would good, be, uh, it would be It would behoove me to, to not ask this question. So you went through it. And when, when yeah. I was writing, because 
book's published by Wiley. So we're, we're, you know, in the publishing yes. room, I get a call from the editor and they're like, you know, there's about four to five books about the metaverse that are coming out at about or around the same time as you. And I don't even know if I can even explain I, the, your podcast is getting an exclusive. I might, Wiley might like, there's probably some NDA where yeah. I like, can't talk about we this lo- stuff. We love alpha. But, yeah, so this is definitely <laughs> alpha. Like I, I'm expecting to hear from my publisher about this because I'm, I'm divulging like what's going on behind the scenes with the publisher, but they call me and they're like, yo, there's like five books coming out about the metaverse. Like you said, and I was like, okay, do you want to proceed? Yeah. I mean, we already started working on the book. I'd already brought the people together. We're already like, I'm in probably chapter four or five at this point. And that's halfway through for the people that haven't read it. The chapter, the, NF, the metaverse handbook is nine chapters. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm at four or five. So I'm about halfway through and get the call. And they're like, look, it's going to be tough on sales. It's going to be different. And like, I had to ask myself, I was like, do I really believe I can add, you know, something to the whole conversation of what the metaverse is? And when we were writing the book, dude, I learned so much about the metaverse. Like I almost, I almost mm. wish like when I submitted the, it's kind of funny. Cause like in the book, uh, the, the one caveat I, I wish I could do is I wish I we could have defined the metaverse in the book, but it's like one of the hardest things to define. It's like asking someone to define the internet mm. in 1990. Like it would be, you're going to miss. And so I decided to not do that because I was like, you know, like we're going to miss that shot. But what we could do is give you all the things that are needed to develop an understanding of the metaverse personally. And like, no one can tell you right now you're wrong because there is no unified definition of a metaverse. Funny enough, that happened for me. I had that aha moment, like two, two weeks after we submitted it and the book was already like getting ready to be printed and sent out all over the world. And I was like, damn, I now know what a metaverse is. So you said, you, when you say that, you know, you've learned so many things and like, it's different. We aim to make it a different book. Like I, I talk a lot more about the people behind the metaverse, the creators. I try not to talk too much about, you know, Facebook changing their name and like some of the paradigm shifts that happened because of that, because I knew that that would get covered in every other metaverse book. But what I knew a lot of metaverse mm. creators probably don't get and, and aren't oftentimes found is like, when I go out to build something, Nine times out of 10, I'm always looking to see what have people done? What are the case studies? And in an industry where there aren't that many case studies, I was like the most valuable thing to creators is to show them what other people have done to date. Even if it's not the craziest thing, it's like the fact that Joe Hunting went in VR chat and shot a movie and took it all the way to Sundance. You know how crazy that is? Super like, like, hey, so like for me, I guess the question I have for you is just like, dude, like what was the, what was that? What were the things, what was one of the things that stands out to you where you were like, whoa, like this is, this is a good book. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, listen, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, so I love practical things I can get busy with quite quickly. Right. And I le- read a book like that so I can try and get ahead and, and, and get practical stuff. So just give you one specific example, Decentraland and all these metaverses, uh, sandbox. Now, those of you who aren't fam- who are listening, who aren't familiar, there's a lot of virtual worlds out there. Uh, sandbox Decentraland are some of them. And you were just very practical. Okay. Like if you want to get involved in this world, here's a link events.decentraland.com or whatever the link was. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think that it is that. And you go in there and just go to some events. And it was just super practical. I got, you know, I got involved. I attended my, you know, some, some Decentraland events. I didn't know about that site beforehand. I didn't know I, before any kind of virtual world stuff, I just go in and I'd be randomly walking around the street. Just like if you dropped into any city in the real world, if you didn't go to the right place, you think nothing's happening. And that was just one of many examples that I thought were just really practical and useful. I love to hear that, man. And thank you for reading it. And thank you to any of the listeners that have picked up the Metaverse Handbook and have dived in. And all that feedback is always helpful because, you know, I want to get to a point where we are sharing the knowledge of what we know in near real time. I think that that like is the one thing when I started my tech journey and just career, that I found super fascinating. Like once you got to a big tech company, there was always a handbook or a playbook and it existed. And it was always by someone that you ex- respected, admired, and it didn't matter if it was mm. as nuanced as networking to system engineering, to build versus buy. Like there's so much knowledge. Like I know people are just getting on to the whole notion wave, like notions like that cool app that like every influencer is yep. sharing. It's like, 
yo, no disrespect to the people with their notion links, but if you go join a big company, like when you see the, the amount of information that's captured just internally, it's ridiculous. Seriously. And like that stuff is shared, but it's a playbook that's like proprietary information and you never really get it by the time it reaches here. Like by the time the whole philosophy of inbound marketing that was created at uh, HubSpot reached the masses in books and things, yeah. it, you, it was probably like a four or five year lag. Like, you know, but if you work yeah. at HubSpot or you knew someone at HubSpot and they were explaining to you the whole concept of like, just make the best content and people will come to you and then you don't have to sell. It made a lot of sense. But like the the thought process hadn't made it to books or hadn't made it to audio, it hadn't made it to TV and, and just other ways that we learn. And I think what I'm trying to do right now with the NFC handbook and even the metaverse handbook is like, you know, get to some of these emerging technologies at like at alpha or at day one or at day zero and say, like, here is the lay 100%. of the land. Here are the, here are the practical people you need to know. Like, here are the questions that nobody understands. And like, if you make any progress on any of these accords, you probably will be in the next version of this book or you'll make history in some crazy, crazy way. And like now is the time to really make that move or have that impact. And, and, and to anyone that's listening, I'd love to hear the entrepreneurs like in the interest that you have, take that stuff to the metaverse and have fun with it. Like this is going to be here for a long time. And no matter whether it's a bear market, a bull market, people are always gonna need to be entertained. And when you look at like the spatial internet, and that's what that, the definition that I think of a metaverse today is like, I think the metaverse represents the evolution of the internet, but the internet goes from one that has been captured on two, basically 2D devices, you know, our phones, our laptops, our uh, big screen TVs and all that stuff, and going to a space where it's now more immersive, it's spatial. It'll get to a point where the metaverse is probably going to link up with ambient computing, which is like the next form of computing that we all want to get to. Like we've seen Star Trek and they're talking to like the computer when we see what we have today with like Alexa and Google. It's like the whole concept of just being able to go a place and like you always have access to the latest and greatest technology, but you don't have to actually work or interact with the interface. That's where we're heading. The metaverse is going to be a stepping stone towards that because it now takes a lot of the information that's been captured on these 2D devices and it gives them spatial awareness in ways that we just haven't seen before. Very, very, very early, like not even in the first inning. It's like we're still putting together the roster that's going to sit on the bench to go uh, play the game. But like very soon, we turn that corner, a lot of this stuff is just going to be mad crazy. So I know this is your podcast. My bad, man. I'm going on these rants. No, dude. No, I'm loving it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, that is why I reached out to you. I saw something different in that book that I'd seen and I was uh, keen to chat to you about it. Um, something you mentioned then was you had this aha moment about what the metaverse is. So you would call it, you said, could you just uh, tell me more about if someone is listening to this, has kind of heard the metaverse, but isn't really sure what it is, how would you define it now? Yeah, so, the inter so the question I would ask the person is like, before we get into the metaverse, what is the internet to you? And that is like asking someone in a company, what is growth? Because if you go to the sales team, they're going to tell you growth is X, Y, and Z. You go to the marketing team, they're going to say growth is awareness and brand. You go to the CEO, he's going to say growth is something for the shareholders, right? Like everybody's answer for what is growth is probably going to be different. In the real world, when you go and ask a regular person, what is the internet? The way you describe it, the way I describe it, the way my mom describes it, the way, you know, a person we both don't know describes it, it's going to be entirely different. And so we have to first level set and say that, we all know the internet in various ways and nobody's definition or experience or how they know the internet is wrong, really. As long as they're doing that and they're seeing value and they're creating value for others through their methodology of how they use the internet or how they understand the internet, we have to accept it. To some kids, the internet is just a way to watch YouTube and play video games. Like they haven't even unlocked the whole concept of like downloading like content and sharing it and, and selling things because they just haven't gotten to that point. And we can't negate that that is the internet to that, that child. To some entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. the internet is the greatest sales channel that they can have. They can distribute a message simultaneously to millions of people and get responses through their call to actions, like near instantaneously, which turns, translates into real world revenue. And so you have like these, you know, I think I think about the, the Tim Ferriss types, the people that, you know, work the four hour uh, work weeks, right? Like that's what they do. And like, that's the internet to them. And in other cases, the internet is, is this vessel that connects us all. It's this connective tissue 
that allows us to communicate. Like, look at me and you. We're both in very different locations. Like, I, I think you're in the UK, right? Somewhere. I'm in, in Ireland today. Yeah, so you're, I'm in Ireland today, actually. So, yeah. So you're in Ireland. I'm in Dallas, Texas. We're having a podcast, high fidelity and all, via the internet. So to me and you, the internet Amazing. is a tool, right? And so what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. It's super crazy. <laughs> so you come back and you ask yourself, all right, so what is the internet? And if you can level set and you can just have your definition of the internet, and you can say, I have it. And I'm and I'm gonna do this real world exercise. Anyone that's listening to this, just take a second. We're gonna give you five seconds. What is the internet to you? Just four words or less, or however many words you need, but four seconds, five seconds. All right. You've got that definition now. You know what the internet is. Now let's translate it to the metaverse. In my personal belief, I think the metaverse is the internet's evolution. So the internet today goes from what we know it as, which largely is only accessible through these 2D devices, right? If I do a FaceTime call, it's happening on an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac. All of those are just, you know, a piece of glass that I pick up and it's 2D. If I uh, play a video game, I'm playing it on a 2D, uh, 2D surface. I might go into 3D worlds. I might experience all these things in different capacities. But the metaverse to me is when you start to shift and you say, what if this wasn't 2D? What if this was actually immersive? What if this had some type of spatial uh, construct about it? And what that looks like in the early days is I just, thought, I just talked about it in virtual worlds. You know, VR chat, you put that on, you're now in a VR headset and you're in this 3D world where everything kind of comes to life. It's still being accessed through, you know, just a, a, a VR headset as we know it today. But you have to remember how we know this stuff today, like how you experienced the internet in 1990 is entirely mm. different than how you experienced the internet in 2005 or 2015. Mm. Even in 2005 to 2015, there's a big shift because in 2005, you might've really understood desktops. You know, you might've been on some high-speed DSL now but guess what? Wi-Fi would come into play a few years later. Uh, mobile internet would come into, into play a few, more, few, few years later. And it would shift the entire paradigm and how we connect. Today, most people only really know the, the mobile internet. It's very rare. Like me and you are probably yeah. uh, the odd types that still have desktops and, and, and you know, really powerful PCs. But the average person, they're, they're, they're tapping into the internet via a browser, whether it be a Chrome browser or you know, a Safari browser. And they're either on a Chromebook, a, a, a MacBook, or a PC of some sorts. Like they're they a lot of people also just know the mobile internet, so they they might not even actually do all of their internet activities uh, on an actual computer. They might just do it on these devices we call smartphones, right? Like that might mm. be the wave. And quite frankly, this is a better internet experience for the vast majority. Like when you give them an iPad and you say, "Listen, watch this video," or you know, communicate with your friends or play these games, like. It's a, it's, it, it, it takes away all the, the layers of, of interaction, right? And so to answer your question, like, I know I've been on this spiel, but I think that it does, it does take a perspective shift. The metaverse is when you take whatever communications or whatever activities you are doing or whatever uh, just prerequisites that you understand as the internet today, and you start to add this facial mm -hmm. awareness to it. And like you have ambient computing that I think is coming in the the near future, we already have the devices. Like we spent the last 10 years building out this infrastructure of, of IoT or, or the internet of things is what it's oftentimes recited as. Today, it's so crazy that like, you know, there are smart, there, I, the craziest thing I've seen is I was staying in Airbnb and the, the oven had Wi-Fi, nice. right? Like <laughs> why the hell does an oven need Wi-Fi? I don't know, but we've connected all these devices to a grid of sorts, and that's known as the Internet of Things. And when you give that to developers and you allow them to build, there's going to be, you know, a world where information can be shared in various places. Like now that my oven has Wi-Fi, now that if I have these smart glasses that I can see, I can see it where I could have information where it's like, you know, I was at my grandma's house um, and she has a recipe book. It's thick, man. It's thick. It's like this big, like seriously. Oh yeah. And it's like every page is tattered and battered and has like hey, the, the most eloquent handwriting, like step-by-step -step instructions on how to make some of her favorite dishes. And I was thinking like, damn, like if this is digitized. Maybe if, maybe by that Wi-Fi oven, if it knew I, I was at, you know, an oven because there were sensors or 
there was technology that just allowed me to know where I'm at, like within a house, it would just change the context and says like, hey, uh, you haven't made this recipe in a while, you should try it. And like, and then as soon as you're done mm. finishing it, and you've had your first bite, instead of rating the meal after what if you were rating in real time, and like that, all this information exists, these are all things that you can do on the internet today, you can people take pictures of food all the time, you go to a restaurant, I guarantee you, if you look at 10 tables, two tables are going to have a phone, oh, minimum, sure. two, minimum of two tables are going to have a phone taking pictures of the food to some extent, at least that's true in America. Uh, in, in, Instagram would be a lot quieter if people weren't taking uh pictures of their food the whole time. you're right <laughs> between food and food and selfies uh it's pretty much instagram yeah, you're right, right you're right um, and like, you like you think about <laughs> it like so you go into this this whole realm of like okay like there's gonna be a point where you might not have to take that picture of the food anymore because we're going to a world where uh you have the glasses with the cameras on them either it be for meta or snapchat yep. or you know the yep, next yep. next the next vendor apple if apple gets in the glasses might not have cameras on it the first go around, but you better believe, you know, version two or version three is going to have a camera with a real nice megapixel count on it because that's just the Apple way. And so I look at it and say that like, we're going to this world where the things that we do on the internet are going to start to be uh, abstracted and implemented in our daily lives in ways that we don't even have to passively do much. It just collects that information. And if you want the best yeah. example of that for a normal person, we went from Waze on a smartphone and uh, the 2010s to Waze now in 2020. If you plug in your car, connect your car to, to your phone, you now have like CarPlay in, in Android's uh, Android Auto. And you now have these displays. You open up Waze, when you're driving, you don't even really have to report things anymore. It says, is this still there? Mm. Accident reported ahead take this route. It just happens before in the, like, you know, five, six years ago, you had to putz around on the small smartphone screen and you had to click through a lot of different, la la uh, like, like just, just different layers of like menus just to say police is reported here, or there's a hazard on the side of the road. Now the internet of things has allowed it. So it's like, because your car has a computer in it, because that is a display, we can create a new uh, interface. There's going to be a version of ways probably in the next 10 years where you don't have to do jack shit. Why? Because you're going to be mm. driving and the cameras on your car can visibly like they'll see the signal of like, there's the police. There's the accident. Someone's stranded. Call for or, help. The reality is you probably won't be driving it, and it just helps the autonomous vehicle. There you go. Right? There so. you go. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. it'll be, be some time before we don't drive at all, though. I think that that's a hard like yeah. I do agree for people just to get perspective to remember like we all remember what those first phones were like and the thought of my Nokia 5110 I never dreamed I could watch uh you know tennis or a football match on it and now I do that all the time and then just thinking of that progress and pushing it forward it, it, you know there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff and the future is exciting I can't talk about the metaverse without, I'm really curious around the area of virtual land and virtual worlds at the moment. And we've seen a lot of virtual land in these worlds, such as Sandbox or Decentraland. More recently, uh, the guys who created Bored Apes, Yuga Labs, uh, did a huge sale, which for uh, crazy amounts of money, people were spending to buy this virtual land, like more than people would spend on real land. And uh, like, what's your thoughts on virtual land from a asset? I haven't quite made a decision where I, I don't own any virtual land yet. I'd just be curious, do you own any? And do you think, what's your thoughts of it as an asset at the moment? So I'm torn. I'm torn in many in many ways. And here's, here's what it is. I was very early to the NFT craze and trends. And you know, I, was, I, was, I was in pretty much every single project. Still am in a lot of projects. I still hold a decent amount of virtual land, um, both in public and private wallets. And just because I hold it doesn't mean I believe in it. I got that land at a much different <laughs> price, okay. right? Like I think that that's, sure. the, that's the biggest differentiator to me. Like it's like when I got the virtual land, I was buying it almost as a joke. It's like, oh, I can't buy, you know, this much real land. So I'm just gonna buy, you know, some virtual land. And to me, it was almost like Monopoly. It's like you play a game of Monopoly and you own all the properties on the board. Well, voila, you beat the game, you win, everybody's paying you. 
And, and the reality of that though, is like, you know, it's just a game. And I think with what's happening in the virtual landscape, that was a nice pun, the virtual landscape. I like, I like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's yeah. happening? I like yeah. that. I like what you did yeah. there. Oh, um, it wasn't intended, but I liked it. Uh, in the virtual landscape, what I, what I, what I see there is, I don't think that there's a lot to it because the whole concept of digital scarcity is one where like, we can always make more virtual land, right? And like your plot of land with the cat, a blue or green castle on it and mines with like an Atari symbol on it. You know, it's, it's cool. It's great. It's phenomenal, but we can always make more land. And it's just like domains on the internet. Like there was a point where, you know, having, you know, the dot com mattered a ton. And me and you both grew up in an era where that is no longer the case. There's companies of all sorts and sizes that start off with dot IOs or dot COs even. Dot coms are still worth a lot of money. They are, they are. And like if you have, you know, lazy.com, you know, you're you're gonna be, you know, it's you it's a premium top level domain, but you could yeah. also have a different domain and like people will still find you. That's the that's the beautiful thing about the internet mm. is it's no longer about the dot com. Like, you know, how many times I would make the argument of like, how many times do you actually type a URL in the UR in the URL bar? They could you could actually have a browser that just didn't have uh the ability to type in the URL and I feel like people wouldn't complain that much because we've gotten to a point where like very few people actually type their URLs in anymore. Like it all starts with like either a search or maybe you like copy and paste the URL, but like it's very infrequent that like people are typing those uh, those URLs in. And I think with virtual land is going to be very similar. Like even if you do the events dot the central land, which you mentioned earlier, dude, like when you get there, it's a board and you're like this event's happening here, this event's happening there, mm. this event's happening here, these events are coming up. Like it's not like you're just walking to central land going to it. Now you could do that, but like this is my point yeah. is that like. Does it really matter where the land is? Because you can just teleport to a lot of this stuff. So you hold some virtual land. Is there a virtual world you're most bullish on from a from someone who who spent a lot of time yes. looking at the different metaverses and virtual worlds? If you had to hold long term your you know your virtual world in one of them, which one would you be most bullish I'm on? I'm considering going back and like really spending more time in Pokemon Go. I think that's gonna have a a big oh, yeah. uh, reprise. And I think that like okay. the the technology that exists today with NFTs and just our understanding of virtual land and even VPS, which is uh, the visual positioning system that Niantic's yeah. working on, um, that stuff is very fascinating. And like you know, the game that we played in 2016 mm -hmm. versus the game that will exist in, well, now in 2022, it's just leagues different and i think that like that will you'll learn a lot from doing something like that and niantic has a few other offerings but like i think the first role ro world that i would participate in just to get a better understanding of what this stuff could be and it's a nice hybrid is the pokemon go or any of the niantic offerings and we got they've got some new ones that are coming out later this year too beyond that i think you know i'm really bullish on decentraland and the reason why i'm bullish on decentraland mm -hmm. is not for any of the reasons that anyone likes to hate on it. Like I know people that gets the joke, well, no one's there, blah, blah, blah. It's really a decentralized world. So when you do think about what's going on there, like, you know, everything, it has its, it's, it's, it has its own token. It's on a, it's on the, it's on the Ethereum blockchain. It has uh, you know, a community of sorts. That's pretty strong. Uh, people like really are bullish on mana and like the, you'll, you'll find your, your, uh, your mana believers. But then when you actually go into the space, you, the only thing that really is holding it back is like the graphics. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, did the graphics improve on uh, Grand Theft Auto? Did they improve on Call of Duty? Did they improve on in any of the 2K series games, whether it be NBA or uh, Madden or whatever? And the answer to all those questions are, yes, they do. So I think the graphics will improve as the technology improves. Mm. But the world, like, it's a diff the difference between Decentraland and Second Life is like Second Life was still a uh, it's it's a, it's a centralized company that pr provides that experience. Decentraland will get to a point in I think our lifetimes where it just gets so big and there's so many things going on where like you're truly gonna have to only make decisions based on the DAO. You're gonna have to true decentralized uh, autonomous organization. It's like the 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 Web three equivalent to a company for people that are just listening to this. First time yeah go look it up like it's a, it's a very fascinating concept 
But like, this is the case study that I think we've all been looking for to see. And I just like what they have going on there. I don't spend nearly as much time as I should. But you know, if that was my second choice, my third choice is going to be VR chat. I just think that the creativity that's being exhibited in VR chat is just unparalleled, bro. Like, again, we started uh, VR chat is its own world. I actually have not come across that one. Yeah. VR chat yeah, v- is a world is VR it? chat. It's not. A, I mean, it is. It's, it's many worlds. But VR chat is an application. You can run it on pretty much every VR headset. You, you go in there nice. and it's like entering the matrix. Like it is crazy. It is absurd. Cool. Um, but if you see any like VR streamers on Twitch or ex- other, like most VR streamers are using some version of VR chat. So like it's the most popular cool. stream Twitch VR game, but for sure, like cool. it's a whole world in itself. So those would be the three spots I would hang out in. Um, no, I think that's uh, super useful. And guys, this is just a great example. So you don't hear about these things and just try them out, right? Just go and have a have a play with them. I'm looking forward to getting lost in uh, VR chat a bit. Hey, let's do um, and, let's do this uh, in VR just, chat. Let's run it back. We can do. Our, yeah, yeah let, definitely have to do to that. Yeah, I might do that. Um, and just one resource I found from the book, just to, to share with people as well, is a if you're interested in learning more about this this concept of buying virtual land, which for a lot of the listeners will be maybe a bit mind-boggling. Um, there's a website called Parcel, and that's where you buy can look at virtual world across a virtual land and buy virtual land across multiple. Uh, virtual worlds it's similar to zim yeah, yeah, I was, in I thought, america I, or or right move correct. or right move is the uk version yeah, yeah. yeah you you were about to tell me something i didn't know zillow had gotten into this space i was like wow like that's I have a note of zillow and uh, i was like no actually that's the u.s version um so something innovative i saw you do around the launch of your book was you issued a token i think it's called the uh, i'm not sure how to pronounce the token uh, how do you it's one q9x yeah. so people who bought the book early got issued a token and I've, I've just never seen that before can you tell me a little bit about it's quite innovative so it kind of rewards early readers to your book yeah um can you tell me a little bit as a content so- producer and an entrepreneur what's your thought process there? so a couple things one you know I, I have to be very careful on how we talk about the token for regulatory reasons but the the first thing okay. i'll say is like one let's give let's give you a show and people that have listened to us this long some alpha first is the actual token will launch on september 7th so that that's actually okay. me telling the public for the first time what the actual date is uh the people that participated in the cool. metaverse handbook uh, pre-orders, and I think I left it open for like three days after the actual book was announced. It, they were able to receive allotments of 1Q9X, and we haven't distributed those yet. But if you wanted the token address, I'm happy to uh, share that with anybody. And like the the project is is done. Like we've created the actual token. What I'm working on right now is kind of two things. And like the reason why I created 1Q9X is the more and more I've spent time on just NFTs and the metaverse and just what's going on. You know, you you really see that everything's centered around this whole notion of what we call community. I think that's a whole nother show in itself, mm. just being a marketer. And like, I Agreed. think that like the word community is vastly overused in the Web3 space, but still getting groups of people together to do fascinating things is the impetus right. of many really great movements. That's like the the one common takeaway I've had from writing the NFT handbook and now the metaverse handbook. And so what I wanted to do was start to reward the people that actually were rocking with me from, you know, the minute I make an announcement to like all the way when that thing is released. And so I was like, let's make a token. And I thought, I, I thought it would be much faster. I thought it would be, you know, quite a, a easier undertaking, but it, it's, it's definitely not. I think what I want to do with that token <laughs> is I want to create a space of sorts where we can take uh, not only emerging technologies, but also like really big problems that we have. Um, In the US, we have this problem where like uh, 50% um, or more, the number it could be even higher, but at least more than 50% of our kids in grade school cannot read at their uh, grade level. So it's like you take you know, half the kids in a class and they're, they're not even at the grade level to uh, that they are in. So like a third grader can't read at a third grading uh, reading level. And it's not just one, it's like half the class. 
you start to perpetuate that and you see it onward you know that's a that's a big problem and i think that there's a lot of cool people like myself and you know others that do all these fascinating things but we don't really ever get a chance to share our ideas and insights on how to change you know uh different problems that might be had in the world and i think when you look at DAOs and when you look at uh just tokens in general like there could be this fascinating construct of concept where we bring together this community and instead of just talking about like these web three things let's use web three to actually have a real impact on society and so that's what we're going to be doing with 1q9x this is probably the most alpha and like i'm giving you again the the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes but you know i, I trust that you know the, the the people here would like to get behind that mission and, and 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 see it so the best thing you can do right now is just follow me on the social accounts like i'm on at q harrison on just about everything uh twitter and instagram We've got to be real careful on how we roll this out, mainly because I don't want to create mm -hmm. any regulatory uh, scrutinies or just make it like something that like regulators look at and be like, oh, this is like, hey, this is, you know, this is this or this is that. I don't I don't want to be in that that situation. So I just want to make sure we're, we have fun with it, but we, we have fun um, in a smart way where we know like what we're doing and the impact that it could have and like some of the implications uh, financially that could be um, had because of it because we've seen a lot of meme coins where like dude a lot of these things are like rug pulls and so to, to create the trust even yeah. the part of the name was like i'm gonna put my name in this so people know that like this is something they can trust like we're not here to rug people we're not here to like get rich quick i mean we delayed the launch like if i was trying to get rich quick one of the things i would have done is we would just put it out there but i really do want to take our time and like make sure that this is done correctly and like i in, in the best version of this it would be you know we have this community that knows so much about these emerging technologies that we get ahead on like some of the calamities that ensue. Cause like one of the things that people always talk about when you get a new emerging technology is like the, all the bad stuff, like look at black mirror or look at any of the uh, things that are said about AI. Like, you know, every other story about AI is AI is going to take us over. It's, it's going to become sentient. It's going to rule the world. And it's like, well, yeah, like I could see that it's a great, like creative mind and, dystopian way to look at it but like if you were to think about all the things that ai could actually be used for for good like you probably would have a stronger narrative it's just that you know the headlines that you know get the clicks are the ones that create fear and perpetuate kind of this existential crisis for, for sure <laughs> and i just be, from someone who's never gone through the process before uh you don't have to go into too much detail but what's it like how do you issue a token like how do you just because yeah. i'm just like reading this and you go this dude is creating this token yeah. for early readers of the book which is cool yeah. and uh i'm, I'm kind of like I, I filled out the form really excited about it uh but like how do you go through the process of creating a token just curious so the creating the token is actually arguably the easiest part because there's like okay. the there's a lot of resources and, and tools there's a lot of companies out there will help you make your own token um, I personally worked with Roll um, because I, I just like the resources okay. that they had. That's uh, R O L L. That's R O L L. And so I, I worked with Roll okay. on this one. But if I if I weren't working with Roll, you know, other resources that you could check out are Rally. Rally is another big uh, token. Like then this is like if you're trying to create a creator coin, you want to just make your own token. Yeah. There's many ways to go about it. I think the the the, the easiest way I would say is like you know ask yourself, do you want to be an ERC 20 or ERC uh, 721 or 720 or ERC uh, 721? And like, once you figure this out, you can kind of take two different paths. Like they have non-fungible non -fungible tokens and then they have fungible tokens, yep. kind of like coins and things of that notion. And, you know, you work with a dev, you know, your smart contract it can have literally anything in it. And like, the reason why I say this is super easy, I mean, I know this is a weird question, but like, reason why I say it's super easy is like, think about how many meme coins happen and like how fast they come out, right? It's like literally a meme will happen totally. and it'll be like Dogecoin totally. or Shiba Inu or, you know, whatever. And like, I've seen so many random coins. The coin part is easy. And like even creating the market hmm. for a coin is easy. I'm not trying to do that. What I want to do is like demonstrate uh, the technology that is here in ways that actually could like bring people together and say like, hey, we're trying to solve this. And like, here's a way to solve it. But like, do it in a way where we create this case study of like, this is what this technology could be used for. And this is probably what it will be used for in the future. And if you look at any of the major projects in just about any industry, some of the first, like, look at CryptoPunks, like, you know, they were just figuring mm -hmm. out, you know, what 
what NFTs were and what they could be. And like, there was no, there was no premonition at the beginning of crypto punks where they would say they, they created those punks. And they said, you know, Larva Lab, the team at Larva Labs is like, this is going to be this big. It's going to take over the world. We're going to be selling at Christie's and Sotheby's and like, everyone's going to yeah. be like trading their life inheritance to like get a crypto punk. They didn't know that. Like that just happened mm. to be the case. And like, the the thing about what we're doing now is like we're having fun we're experimenting and like this is not to like shill some random coin or token and i think that that the reason why we've been doing this right now is to like create a different narrative right like you know we're gonna get a bad rap for some of these exciting web3 technologies if we keep letting the hustlers and the scammers uh take flight and and, and lift off and like show us what's possible but if you get the right people in the room and you you kind of say like this is our mission you can really make a, a huge impact and create like an understanding of these technologies in ways that just haven't happened before. And going back to my principle earlier, where I talked about like, what does it take to learn? Like some people learn through reading, some people learn through audio, some people learn through video. There's a lot of people that learn through doing and just being a part, like, you know, experience is hmm. the best teacher. And so I wanted to create a way where you can experience the world that I've been writing about. That's super cool. No, I, I completely, uh, agree with something that you said earlier uh, about community in the Web3 space. Like community is a word that's been used for years, yeah. right? But when you get involved in the Web3, man, like it's a different level of community in the Discord groups and stuff like that. It's just different. It's just a bit different is all I would uh, say. So those of you who don't really know what we're you know maybe aren't in any web3 exper uh, communities i highly recommend it and you can uh you know follow q harrison you'll be able to see what he's doing with his uh his community as well uh I i'd love to talk a little bit about you know you've you've released the uh, metaverse handbook and before that you also published the nft handbook uh, both of them are available on you know amazon or wherever uh so obviously you have a, a very well-drilled content creation system, all right? Most people have not written one book <laughs> and you've written two pretty quickly. Yeah. Tell me, how are you outputting such a kind of quality and quantity when it comes to your content? Do you have yeah, a, yeah. a system or a ritual that helps you? Well, you think about how long I've been doing it, right? I think that that's the one thing is like, you can't start tomorrow and think you'll be able to compete with me. Same way I can't start basketball tomorrow and like think I'll compete with Steph Curry or even Michael Jordan at his current age, right? They just have a lot more experience and understanding of the craft. Me as a content creator, you know, for a period of time, you know, there was a, a time where I used to just blog like a crazy person, so much so that I was a four time consecutive LinkedIn top voice in tech. Uh, so that means I was one of the top voices. So, so on that, like how much time would you be spending on an average day writing probably, and probably an hour, it be a Probably book? an hour, like, I, like in the beginning, it took like three, four hours. And then as I got faster, it got down to like an hour. Now, like, yeah. it, it still takes about, like, if you want something good, it still takes about an hour, right? If you want something that's mm. like, you know, it's plausible, like some of the stuff I put on social, that takes me like a couple minutes, but the things that I'd mm. actually put out and say, okay, I wrote this, like, that, that's going to take a, an hour or two. The thing about, and so you could, the yeah. thing about a book um, is like, blogging was a great prep for like, yes. getting content for a book, because you get you. When you're blogging, you're really writing like half a page or a page, right? Like nine, mm. depends on how you write. Like if you write and you have a lot of embeds, you're writing like half a page. And then like if you don't have a lot of embeds and it's all text, you know, you're probably writing a page to two pages. The thing is though, it's like in that page to two pages, you're trying to get your whole thought out. The reason why I switched to books for like writing and long form content is because I realized with blogging, you could have like a very miss, you could, you could have a, you could have a, the wrong perception of something because you only need to fill a page. And so it's like, you can look at something, mm. have one take and do it. When you're writing a book, like at least the way I write is like, I try to like, when it comes to nonfiction, I, I set out, I have a crazy outline. I spend a ton of time on the outline. Sometimes I'll spend more time on the outline mm. than actually writing the book. Cause when I have a really good outline, I can just fill that, that in. And as I've started to learn more about writing and studying different writers, I also realized that like even James Patterson, he writes in a very similar way where it's all about the outline. I didn't know that about James until after we had wrote, you know, a couple books, but uh, I agree with that, that that is probably the easiest way to write. And it takes a second because 
your outline is going to kick your ass. Like if you've never done it, like my first outline, even for the NFT handbook, uh, we were, I worked together with Matt Fortnow on that and it was not fun. Like doing that outline was not fun, but God did that outline save us. Like mm. when you we were trying to like, cause that was a tight deadline book and the metaverse handbook is the same thing. It's like, we had these very super tight outlines and like, I, there's certain things about each book that I love and don't love. I think with the metaverse handbook, you know, because it was such a very big topic, you know, chapter nine, I think I wish I could have went further, but it was like, I gave you all we could have. It was like your metaverse strategy should just be go, go into the metaverse. I wanted to make that chapter literally mm. two sentences stop reading, go into the metaverse. But you know, the editors would never allow that. And so like, I had to like, yeah. you know, say like all these things, but like, you know, in chapter nine, like your metaverse strategy, like you, the, the strategy is just to go, like take all the information I just gave you and go explore it. And like, you know, when I, when I look at like writing, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to ask yourself, what are you trying to give the reader or what are you, like, if it's not the reader, what is the marketing persona that you're trying to convey a messaging to? Uh, or, and like, once you understand that persona, you know, how is it, if you're writing or if you're creating videos or if you're making audio content, how are they best going to receive that? And then how do you do that in a consistent enough manner? And I think having the outline or having the framework helps a ton mm. when you don't have a lot of ambition, when you are stuck, when you don't know where to go next. Like if you just kind of create these frameworks for yourself, you can always have consistent output. No, that's great. Uh, that's great input. Um, so if someone's listening to us now and, you know, they're excited about the space, yeah. they haven't really done that much and they're just getting started, what advice would you give them? Well, I mean, I'm biased, obviously. I'm going to tell you to go read my books. Uh, go read the Metaverse yeah, Handbook. Yeah, well, this is solid advice. <laughs> go read the Metaverse Handbook. Yeah. Go read the NFT Handbook. Yes. If you're asking me which book to start first, if you're more an analytical person and you know nothing about NFTs, go read that. You know, my co-author on that was a lawyer and, you know, uh, uh, the CEO of Republic uh, wrote the forward. So you can kind of just off the premise, understand that that's going to be future thinking meets like very structured technical writing. And so it's a great place to nice. start if you like are looking for like Q, what's an NFT? What is this digital stuff? And, you know, it also parlays into the metaverse at the end the last chapter of that, I ended on the whole premise mm -hmm. of, you know, the metaverse is was where NFTs will really take life. If you don't care about NFTs or you want to skip that, I'd recommend jumping in directly into the metaverse handbook. It's a little bit different of a book. The metaverse handbook, I talk a lot more about the culture and the creators of the metaverse as it stands today. Because the one thing that I realized when you look at emerging technologies, and this is pretty much stayed true for as long as I've been alive, is the creators don't really change. They just continue to have bigger ideas and eventually they create something that takes over or uh, defines that industry. Uh, case in point is if you look at Jeff Bezos and Amazon, very early creator in the, of the internet era, um, so much so he was like one of the few people doing it. Bezos invested in the Google founders um, Larry and, and uh, Larry and Larry was it Larry Page and Sergey and Sergey Brand. Uh, I might I might mess their mm -hmm. names up, but like no, uh, yeah, I think you're good. So like so, Amazon or Jeff Bezos at the time was like one of the few people believe in the internet. He invested in Google as like an early investor uh, at that point because he was he was just there. He was it was there and like there's so many industries like even Vitalik Buterin. When you look at I, I talk about this in the Metaverse Handbook. Before he made Ethereum, he was working on colored coins and like looking at blockchains and Bitcoin. So you kind of knew the dude was going deep and he had this interest and that interest would uh, would go and parlay into something much larger, much grander. And and I think that that's the thing that you've got to you've got to learn is you've got to you've, you've got to uh, you've got to stop and say, who are the people in the space? Where are they going? And where, how can we get involved? And, and that's what we did in the Metaverse Handbook is we like look at all the culture, all the creators. And like we said, like, hey, here's the Krista Kims. Here's the Joe Huntings. Here's the Vitalik's. Here's how they're thinking about these things. We don't know which one's right. But like the odds that some of these people are going to be here, you know, five, 10 years from now, it's going to be pretty high. And like they're probably going to be the right person to follow. So if you want to get started, those are the two places like from a video um, I mean, from an audio or uh, like actual like textbooks perspective, if you want to go and like actually nice. like get into it from, you know, beyond that, I think that there's a lot of content creators on YouTube that, 
don't get a lot of shine. There's tons of people that are doing tour. Do, do you have a personal, any personal favorites or one? Uh, yeah, write? I like DCL blogger. Uh, so Maddie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that he's, yeah. he's probably the easiest person to go and see that. Like, you know, he's been doing this since like 2016, like I think is 2016, 2017. Yeah. And like, you know, the community that he's actually cultivated and created and the partnerships and just how he goes about teaching people and how he puts people on. I just respect that. I don't know the guy. I never met him, never talked to him. But like, he's like, like, mm. I feel like I have a relationship with him because I've watched so much of his content. And like, I've went deep on cool. a lot of the things that he's put out there. So I would recommend people just go and learn alongside others. Like, there's so much of that happening out now. And do you have a go-to resource that you like to keep on top of what's happening whether it be nfts or metaverse is it whether it be a email list or a certain twitter account that you like to follow from there isn't a definitive source right now as much as i think that there's a there there's a company idea right there i know there's nft now and they've got some some interesting content that they're putting out but i still think it misses a lot of the technical uh sides of like nft now is more mm -hmm. about the art and the nft like you know the in like the the industry a little bit. I think it's missing some of the technical stuff, but if you miss the technical stuff, then you're going to miss like the soulbound tokens, which is inevitably the future mm -hmm. of like NFTs. Right. And so unfortunately, man, unfortunately, like, I think the best thing for you to do is to set up some Google alerts on some keywords that you want to track metaverse, NFT, uh, create a junk email or an email that like some email filters. So it doesn't mess up your inbox and like, just go and look at the headlines. And then also, um, probably the craziest place to learn this stuff is Twitter. It's like definitely drinking from yeah. the rabbit hole. Uh, sure. I mean, the water, the, the water fountain, the fire hose It's my bad. My words are, yes. it's like definitely yes. drinking from the That's fire okay. hose. That's okay. But like you, you can't, it's uncontested. Now there's bad stuff and there's, there's misinformation that also exists when you go directly to the source. But uh, just, just the one thing I'll say is like, don't try to be first on any of this stuff. Like if you just wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like you're going to hate me and say, oh, I missed out on the white label. I missed out on the, 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 or the white list. I w missed out on the mint because I, I waited. Dude, buy it on the secondary market if you really believe it. But like, there's too many scams that happen for you not to wait. And so like, if you're, Definitely. if you're, if you don't know the team, you don't know all the specs and you're just going to learn from Twitter. The one thing I would say is like, don't participate on any early mint or any white list access on Twitter. Wait it out. And you'll thank me later. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, uh, I'd love to know what projects you're most excited about or you ho hold personally. Would you say you're most into NFTs or are you most into uh, coins? And what, what are you, what's in your portfolio? I'm going to be selfish, be man. I mean, I got a lot of stuff in my portfolio. I've held just about everything and, you know, I've participated in a lot of drops. Uh, things I'm super excited about. I want us to see the spatial internet kind of take hold and manifest. And I want us to be able to have these spaces that where we can create and share 3D moments. And so I'm really excited to see the innovation that happens on how to view and experience 360 content. I think that that's going to be huge for just the space in general. The more and more uh, we get to devices that can easily share, capture, and edit 360 video, uh, I think that's going to have a huge impact on just like the. And are there any builders or projects coming out yeah. in that? So space? right now you have Insta three sixty, and you have um, who was uh there's a there's a few others like Unity has some support for it. Um, there's also mm. uh, there's also a company that does it for. Um, I talk about this in the book. I, the, the name's escaping me. But there's a company that allows you to, like, if you're a real estate agent in real life, not the virtual side, and you want to mm -hmm. do a virtual tour of a home, there's like Matterport. That's the name of the company. Matterport exists, and they have technology that allows you to create 3D, like, like blueprints and models of homes. And then you have, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, different add-ons and functionalities you can use to do the same thing in, in cars and virtual goods. Or, well, not, yeah, I guess virtual goods, too, like with spatial and, and other projects. So I'm looking at the builders because I think that if we can cross that void where like 360 content becomes the norm or like you're capturing these content and tell, telling storytelling, the same way that vlogs kind of made YouTube kind of have a lasting impression on like society. And as much as we hate to admit that it was like cat videos and vlogs that like got people familiar with the whole power of streaming uh, video. 
we probably will have a similar impact in like the the long like this technology has existed for a long time like the first 360 vr camera you could have probably bought in 2012 if i remember it correctly but you didn't have anywhere for that content to live and like obviously youtube has like support for 360 video but like 99 percent of people go to youtube to watch 2d content and so we need to create yeah, spaces yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's normal to like share and communicate in these 360 uh worlds and i yeah. think we'll get to a place too where like you know there's lidar sensors on the iphone and you know i can see a world where you can capture a holographic voice message uh where it has like your avatar or it has like a realistic version of your face and you can drop that in ar and leave that in virtual uh places i mean in this in this spatial internet of sorts like like that yeah. could be cool so i am super um, would what's you up? Yeah, so I'm super excited for that. And I'm like, I'm definitely watching a lot of those projects. As far as like, what I'm doing right now, I'm spending a lot more time building than buying. Um, you know, I've got one Q9X to deliver to, you know, people like yourself and others. And I've got, uh, you know, I want to keep going on the, the book front. And I want to like build more relationships with the creators of today. Uh, because I think now is the easiest time to do that. And so I think, you know, beyond this, like, I want to profile projects uh, at like, more so as to why they exist. Because I think that what people don't understand is, you know, we see these amazing projects, but we never really know the people behind them or some of their beliefs. And like, I think you hear about the people that get canceled, but you don't hear about the people that are like actually just having fun and experimenting. And I think that to your point on where do you go, ideally in the future, you know, I'm one of the people that people look at and they say like, hey, I really respect what, what Q's putting out and that content, it, it resonates. It's like, you know, I'm learning. Yeah. And I'm just just curious, are there any, uh, for example, NFTs that you love or most passionate about that you particularly like or? I, I, I mean, I, yeah, there's a lot of NFTs. I mean, I'm not I, um, recently, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I have to we have to just commend what Goblin Town did. I, I really think that the sure the Goblin Town project is like. You know, it's it's, it's 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 all fun in games. I just think that that like I just really respect what they're they're having fun with it, and it's fun to see that you know there's still projects even in uh, the calamities that have ensued and the the bearish times that we've uh, been enduring. Um, people having fun and exciting. I think beyond that, I really liked what Unlock Protocol is doing, um, and this is more a tool, not necessarily an NFT itself. Uh, the reason why I like to unlock protocol is because they're thinking about, you know, what NFTs can, what, what's the future of NFTs? And they have this whole thesis on like, so oh, I'm, I'm not familiar with unlock. Could you yeah, yeah. explain, uh, is a utility uh, NFT I'm, or something? I'm, 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 not, get, I'm not familiar I'm with getting it. Getting into yeah. it. It's a, so it's a protocol. Okay, cool. yeah, It's a protocol to, to create NFTs um, or NFT memberships. Okay. And so they're saying that like, you know, one people the future of nfts is is much bigger than what we've seen today with pfps and 10k projects i agree with that uh they're also saying that nfts as non-fungible tokens can be utilized to access many things not just discord servers i agree with that so they said you know the hardest thing right now is like people don't know how to buy these things beyond eth and so what does it look like to have it where you can just buy you know pay for an nft with a credit card or if you want to just pay mm -hmm. Uh, for an NFT, what does a one-click buy uh, methodology look like? And so I like the team over at Unlock Protocol. I think what they're doing is super exciting. Would love to work with them at some point in the future. And like, I think that that is super mm. fascinating. I don't have any uh, current projects in, in in play, but I've definitely like played around with their 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 API and like their protocol. And I'm like, I'm really it's it's nice. good technology. So beyond that, to like cool. give people, you know, another thing that I, I'm finding fascinating uh, beyond Unlocked. Um, I said Goblin Town. Uh, what, what have I? Ah, oh, man, I'm trying to think. There's so many projects. I think ah, I'm trying to think where else I would go, like it, NFTs right now. Um, it's, a, it's a good question right now because it's like, you know, where like where, where are you putting your time and your, your energy? I uh, you know, I think now is the time to build. I think you probably... I'm trying to think, this is a good question. Like, I'll give you one more answer, but give me a realm or give, give me a range. Cause I have like, or is there a project that maybe 
you know you have that you just would never sell you know kind of because it doesn't have to be one that's coming out soon it just is there one that uh i'm always just curious what people like you know i i, I like um, my uh i mean for the right price i'll sell anything like i'm not i don't i've been drinking the kool-aid where like my identity is tied to any of this stuff but i think that like the project that it would be a tough for me to sell is probably going to be uh my meta key you know, I did get an offer on one of okay. my meta keys uh, a, a while ago, and I, I took that offer. And that is DCL yeah. bloggers. Am I right yeah. by saying that the guy you were talking about before, the YouTuber? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's his. I think uh, also um, I really like what uh, Meta Mondo is doing, where they're creating interoperability uh, for their NFTs. Uh, so like, that's an interesting use case, and I'll probably hold on to that. All the spatial NFTs I've bought, I probably won't sell because there's actual utility. If you own that NFT, you can use that space. And so I think that that's going to be probably uh, very valuable cool. in, the, in the future. But I mean, dude, like NFT projects are, they're here to stay and like, just just have fun. That's what I'm going to tell. It, try Showtime is actually giving away free N NFTs. I don't know if you know that, but Alex uh, at Showtime, he has an app. I would recommend people that are trying to get into NFTs He's given away some pretty incredible NFTs over there. And I, I, I do need to link up with him and do some stuff because I think that, you know, his project, his, his platform's like also pretty dope. Just so I can understand that it's the platform is called Showtime. Correct. And if we if we go over and have a look, he's doing some giveaways. Yeah, he's giving away like a free uh, NFTs. Uh, last time I checked, uh, they were they were doing pretty well with that. Let me see. Uh, cool. We'll have to check it out. Uh, so Showtime.xyz. That's the uh, Showtime. We'll definitely be checking that one. Yeah, that out. one's a... uh, super cool. Yeah, if you haven't got an NFT yet, it's worth <laughs> if we can get a free one. It's a good one, uh, good one to check out. So, two hours. I'm conscious of your time. Want to be respectful for it. Uh, last question, which I do like to finish with, is um, I'd love you to. What's you, what's you, let's paint five years in the future and where what is what what is the metaverse going to look like this time in five years? 2020, so 2020, five years is 2022, so 2027, something like uh, that. Um, you know, what we'll probably do is we'll probably start accessing the, the metaverse in five years will be a lot easier to accept like it'll be much more accessible i think right now it's like what is the metaverse how do i get to it like that's a really tough question uh i think we'll actually reach accessibility at that point i think it's probably still will be pretty expensive like i think that like you know you'll have devices and components but like to get the most premier premium version of it will probably still cost a, a few thousand dollars um but i think what will be had though are going to be some very clear use cases and call to actions as to how you can kind of uh, see value. And I think some of the developers that are building on this stuff now will actually have an ecosystem that they can tap into and interoperability will be uh, something to to be had and will probably be at a point where it will be platform war wars. So right now, you know, it's still mm. the call. The question is like, who is going to be the two platforms? Like in, in, the, the, in the PC era, you had uh, Microsoft Windows and, and Apple Mac OS. Uh, you know, in the mobile era, you had, you know, Android versus iOS. Today, in the metaverse, you know, you have a bunch of gaming uh, platforms in like, you know, meta, uh, Facebook. So it's like, you know, mm. there that's going to shake out to some extent. Like, does Unity come out with their own like metaverse that's like cross-platform and like just powers everything? We don't know. Uh, does Apple come in the game mm. and like give us the the reality OS that everyone's dreaming of? and changes life, we don't know. Does Snapchat or Niantic do it? We don't know. And so like, we're gonna probably in five years know where the fight will be fought. Cool, cool, yeah, exciting. Okay, so first of all, thank you for all the wisdom, alpha and everything in between you dropped over the last uh, little bit. Uh, so if people wanna check you out, follow you, hear about what, what you're doing, how can they find you on web two or web three? Yeah, yeah. The easiest way to find me is at Q Harrison. I'm literally that person on all the platforms. Uh, and would that be on Twitter, on Instagram, yeah. pretty much on all the things? On all of the things. Like if you want to, like I'm at Q Harrison, cool. that's my handle. Uh, if you want to 
find what I'm working on. I'm updating my website, qharrison.com. We've got a lot of cool stuff going nice. on there. And then we've got a bunch of different uh, platforms and things that we'll be announcing. Obviously, the 1Q9X token, I talked about that. And ideally, maybe another book in, in, in store. So just uh, just just tap in and see what, what you enjoy. And if you have questions like Howard, just shoot me a DM. I'll get back to you. Super cool. And we'll link all of those links in the show notes as well as where to get uh, the Metaverse Handbook as well as the NFT handbook, if you want to check those out. Hugh Harrison has been a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you in the metaverse. All right, likewise, man. Enjoy your Moonbird too. You've got one, right? I do. Yeah, I've yeah. got two. You got two Moonbirds, <laughs> man. Yeah, you know, I did, were you at the party at NFT NYC? I was. Dude, I missed, I was. I missed you. Uh, Mixmaster Mike. Uh, are you there? Yeah, yeah, no way, yeah, dude. I missed you. Oh, cool. It was, uh, it was quite a party. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, man. I'll catch you. Take care. Super, super cool. Thanks, man. Bye. All right. That's it for this episode. Want to thank you for listening. If you want to get the links and the show notes, just head on over to our website, frontieroftheMetaverse.com. And if you like this episode, please do share it with anyone you know interested in all things Metaverse. And of course, you can subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Would be very much appreciated. All right, I'll see you in the next episode.